0: Good, glad to see you here, welcome. My name's George, I'm your campus pastor, uh, here at Point Loma. Yeah, thanks, appreciate that. Um, Pastor Miles, uh, if you're looking for the tall, dark, handsome guy, you got stuck with the light, short, uh, okay-looking guy today. Uh, Pastor Miles is uh, taking uh, some time off celebrating his 55th birthday and getting ready for Easter. So Pastor Miles, if you're watching, happy birthday. We love you and I want to welcome everybody watching online and want to give a special shout out to Tom Dahl. Uh, some of you know Tom, he's been overseeing our hospitality ministry for years and years and years. Tom's been struggling with some health issues, so Tom, we just want to let you know we love you. We're praying for you, and we're praying you get better soon. Amen. Well, today is uh, Palm Sunday, and I'm excited to be sharing with you about Palm Sunday. I don't know if you're like me, but as a kid, you know, you get in the little palm frond cross, and it was kind of a cool thing, but I never really got what Palm Sunday was all about. Uh, Didn't understand the meaning of it. And I thought it was interesting as I was studying for uh, today that Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry is One of only eight events that all four gospel writers chose to write about. One of eight. Of all the hundreds and hundreds of things that are recorded in the gospels, there are only eight that all four thought were important enough to write about. And Palm Sunday is one of those. It's the first day of the last week of Jesus' life. And it starts this, this, it kind of sets the tone And really begins to unfold what Easter really is all about. And without grasping what Palm Sunday is about, we really don't grasp what Easter is about. And so it's this this first day of this week that, that ends up changing the world. And so if you've got your Bibles, turn to Matthew 21. Matthew 21. If you've got your Bible or your phone, Matthew 21. We're going to read verses 1 through 11 together. Matthew 21 verses 1 through 11. So starting in verse 1 it says, Now when they drew near Jerusalem, this is Jesus and his disciples, and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied in a colt with her, Loose them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did just as Jesus commanded them and They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from trees, spread them on the road. Then the multitude who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved saying, who is this? So the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. So if you go ahead and take out your lesson plan, I encourage you to, to take, take notes. If you turn it over, you'll see on the back side of your lesson plan an easy acronym that we're going to go through today, PALM, P-A-L-M. That will hopefully help us to to understand and apply the the significance of Palm Sunday to our lives today. Now I want to start by giving you some context. The setting is Jerusalem. It's the capital city of Israel. The temple sits in the heart of it. It's this big, white, gleaming marble building that you can see uh, from all around as you approach. But Rome had conquered Israel about 100 years earlier and had been occupying it ever since. So there's a lot of animosity between the Jews and the Roman Empire. Now the time, it's most likely A.D. 33, and it would actually be March 29th. So it would be actually 1,982 years ago today that this is happening. It's the celebration of the Passover. It's the most important week of the entire nation Every Jewish male, 21 years and older, is required to go to Jerusalem. So literally hundreds of thousands of people have made their way to Jerusalem. And the city has, has just swelled in size. It's, it's just jam-packed with people. The feel is electric. Jesus has just raised Lazarus from the dead a week ago. Earlier And news about that is spreading like wildfire. Everyone's eager to see Jesus. Everyone's questioning, could he be the one that's going to deliver them from Rome? And it's into this dynamic that Jesus rides into Jerusalem. So in our acronym, the, the first letter is P. The P stands for promise of God fulfilled. Say promise of God fulfilled. As Jesus comes over the hill into Jerusalem, he sends his disciples to go get him a very specific ride. All right, he's done walking, he's walked over 100 miles, and he's. I'm going to ride into Jerusalem. I want you to go get me a donkey that's got a colt tied to it that no one's ever ridden on. Right, it would be like me telling some ushers, hey guys, I want you to go across the street, and you're going to see a Harley park, brand new Harley park there that no one's ever ridden on before. I want you to, to get it and bring it to me. And if anyone asks you what you're doing, just say the pastor has need of it. All right. This is, this is what, what's happening here. But Jesus does it to fulfill something that, that had been prophesied more than 500 years earlier. Everyone say fulfill. The word fulfill here means to deliver a message fully. To explain it completely. You see, God's promises don't just come true, they also communicate truth. I'll say that again. God's promises don't just come true, they also communicate the truth. Every prophecy about Jesus is also a revelation of Jesus. It's communicating something about him. What does this prophecy communicate? What does it tell us about Jesus? Well, Zechariah said, behold, your king is coming. So what does it tell us about Jesus? He's the king. He's in control. God is, Jesus is absolutely in control of everything. It says, your king has come to you. See, Jesus is God here with us. He's not just a prophet. He's God here with us right now, and he's lowly, he's gentle. He has all authority, but he's not gonna abuse any of it. If you're ever in a scenario where someone's using the name of Jesus and they're abusing authority, it's not Jesus because Jesus doesn't do that. Even though he has all authority, he's never gonna abuse that authority. He comes into our life in a gentle and humble way. And it says he's sitting on a donkey. He's not coming to conquer He's coming to be crucified. He's not coming to dominate. He's coming to die. And so what's the application for us in this? That Jesus is the promise of God fulfilled. In 2 Corinthians 1.20, one of my favorite verses, it says, All the promises of God are yes and amen in him. Say yes and Amen. We can totally trust Jesus because he doesn't just tell the truth, he is the truth. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And sometimes you just need to cling to a promise of God. Some of my my favorite promises, Romans 8.28 says, we know that God works All things together for the good of those who love him, the called according to his purposes. Sometimes I'm just clinging to that promise. I don't see it, I don't get it, I don't know it, but God, I'm trusting that you're working this for my good. Another one of my favorites is that if God is for us, who can be against us? You ever had someone against you? Right, and you feel like, oh, there's nothing I can do, well, remind yourself that there's a promise out there that says if God is for you, they can't be against you because they're, they're, they may be powerful in your life, but they're not more powerful than God, amen? First right, John 1, 9, uh, I go to this one more often than I'd like to. All right? It says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and he'll forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's these promises of God. That help us to know that whatever I'm going through, I'm going to be okay. Because God's promised and he doesn't have it in his character to be untrue. So the first P in our Palm Sunday is that it it shows us that the promises of God always get fulfilled. Now the A, it stands for the arrival of the king. Say arrival of the king. So as Jesus is arriving into Jerusalem, he's coming in from the east. If you've ever been to to Israel, he's coming in over the Mount of Olives, uh, down towards the temple... And as he's coming, he, he's actually, remember, there's hundreds of thousands of people. And so in the valley there, there'd be all these tents. It'd be like, I don't know, Woodstock or something like that. Uh, all these tents, hundreds of thousands of pilgrims in makeshift shelters. And as he's coming over the hill, he's literally riding into a sea of people. Do You get the picture? Right, so he's riding in there and as he's, as he's going through the, on the road on this donkey, literally thousands upon thousands of people are coming and joining in this massive procession into the city. It's not a few hundred people, it's tens and tens of thousands of people that are, uh, that are in this. Uh, Matthew Wells actually says the whole city's moved, it's a poor translation, it literally means the whole city was shaken up by it. It was such a big deal it shook the whole city. Now, it's important to know something that that most people don't realize. At the exact same time, on the exact same day, maybe at the exact same time, but definitely on the same day, there's another ruler who would be coming in, but he'd be coming in from the west side of the city. And that's Pontius Pilate. He'd be coming in in his own royal procession, surrounded by his soldiers, coming in from the coast where he lived, kind of like La Jolla, right? So Pontius Pilate's coming in from La Jolla. Jesus is coming in from City Heights, right? (laughs) Coming into the city from the same time. And you've got two kingdoms in conflict. Jesus isn't just showing up as king. He's also purposefully doing an in-your-face to Pilate. He's purposefully contrasting the kingdom of God with the Roman Empire. So you've got Pilate coming from the east, Jesus coming from the west, Pilate's coming in on horseback, Jesus coming in on a donkey, Pilate's surrounded by his soldiers, Jesus is surrounded by his followers, Pilate is feared by the masses, Jesus is being cheered by the masses. And they're setting this stage for the conflict that's going to end up with him being crucified on Easter. You kind of get this sense of how this really sets the stage for what's going to happen on Good Friday and then on Easter Sunday. Now the religious leaders were also going along with Rome. They were kind of going along to get along to preserve their position and their power And over the years, they had compromised and really become just another agent of Rome in the city. And Jesus is making it very clear. He's kind of putting a shot across their bow too. That's why they're going to go along with having him crucified. Jesus is making it very clear that when he comes, when he arrives, he wants to make a clear distinction between the kingdom of God and this world in our lives. It's not a a vague gray area for him. It's a clear distinction. So what's the application for us? I don't know if you ever feel like it, but a lot of times I feel like I've got two kingdoms that are fighting in my life. The world is pressuring me to go along, to get along. I feel the conflict in my finances. I feel the the conflict in my schedule with the busyness. I I feel the the conflict in my ambitions and what am I going to accomplish with my life? What are we going to acquire with our resources? And Jesus is saying, I don't want you to go along to get along. I want there to be a clear distinction And so for Palm Sunday, it's an important time as the king arrives to ask ourselves, whose side are we on? What parade am I joining in? What's the direction my life is going? Is there a clear distinction between the way Jesus would live life and the way the world is asking me to live my life? So the P stands for the promise of God fulfilled. A stands for arrival of the king. The L stands for the Lamb of God who is set apart. Lamb of God who is set apart. Say Lamb of God. See, the timing of Jesus isn't accidental either. The Bible tells us that on the 10th day of the month, five days before Passover, Every Jewish family was to select a lamb and set it apart for five days before Passover. Jeez, it's kind of like draft day for lambs, right? It's, it's everyone's looking and examining what's the best lamb, who, what's the most perfect lamb that we have. And five days before Passover, they're going to draft that lamb uh, for the big Passover uh, team. Uh, it's a short-lived career, right? But it's a, it's a, it sets up this time of final inspection to, to have the lamb in your home and to make sure that everything about it is perfect. Jesus is purposefully coming into Jerusalem on the 10th day of the month, five days before Passover, and is in a sense being selected by the nation as their ultimate Passover lamb. And he's going to be on display, under scrutiny, inspected by everyone for five days in Jerusalem. He's going to show up at the temple every day and be under scrutiny before he's slaughtered on Passover. So Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5-7, Christ, which is the Greek word for Messiah, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed for us. So everyone got what Jesus was doing. He was being set, set apart as the lamb for Passover. And what's the significance for us? We don't celebrate Passover lamb, Passover uh, celebration. I don't think I don't remember last time I ate lamb, right The Passover lamb in Exodus was, was when God sent Moses to deliver the Israelites from bondage in Egypt. But Pharaoh wouldn't let the people go, so God sent ten plagues to change his mind. And the tenth plague said that every firstborn male would be killed, but God told his people if they would slaughter a perfect male lamb and take the blood of that lamb and put it on their doorposts in faith, that God would pass over their house and no one in their house would be killed. That's where we get the word Passover, God passed over them and didn't judge them because of their faith to put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost to their house. Jesus is our Passover lamb. When we put our faith in his death on the cross, we believe that his blood was shed for us, God sees that faith and passes over our sin and doesn't judge us. Amen? Amen. That's what it means. That's what Passover is all about. That we are forgiven and completely set free from bondage to sin and death. Now, I've been a Christian a long time. When they asked me to do my, my video for Gospel Central, I was like, well, I got saved at five. All right, so there's no tags on my testimony. There's no cocaine. There's no, you know, it's like saved when you're a kid, right? Uh, and, And just I'll do this little shout out for parents. Your kids can know Jesus at a young age. They can believe in him with all their heart and grow up following him, trusting him, and living for him their entire lives. I am living proof of that. All right. My testimony isn't one of God saving me out of a bunch of junk. God, my testimony is God save, is sparing me from a bunch of junk, All right. That's the testimony I want my kids to have, right? But for many years, you know, I still lost my temper, still, you know, lusted after girls in my heart as a teenager and, and, and lied to my parents and things like that and... and for many years, I tried to make up for the things that God had already passed over. And sometimes as Christians, we get stuck in this cycle of forgetting we've got a Passover lamb. That God isn't asking us to make up for the things that we've messed up in, he's already passed over that. He's he's done with it. He's forgotten it. He's put our sins as far away from us as east is from west. He doesn't remember it anymore. Shame and guilt aren't a part of God's motivation system. Do you get that? God doesn't guilt us. God doesn't shame us. God says there's no condemnation for you in Christ Jesus. You've got a Passover lamb. Jesus is your Passover lamb. I'm passing over it. You're free. It's done with. So for those of you that are living in guilt, you you know Jesus, but you're living in guilt, let it go today. Realize you've got a Passover lamb. And for those of you that have never put your faith in Jesus Christ, in a few minutes I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray a prayer. And ask Jesus to to be your Passover lamb so that God wouldn't judge your life, but you would be forgiven completely completely. For your life. So the P was what? Promise fulfilled. <laughs> Promise fulfilled. All right? The A was. Arrival of the king, the L was, Lamb set apart, the M is, Messiah misunderstood. Messiah misunderstood. As Jesus is coming in, the whole crowd is shouting, "Hosanna to the Son of David." They're actually quoting from Psalm 118, which is a psalm all about the Messiah. It's got familiar verses like the, the, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. These familiar passages that we know are about Jesus. It opens and closes with the same phrase. So It's kind of like bookends on the psalm. It says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His mercy endures forever. The Jews saw this psalm as being about the Messiah, about God in His mercy sending a deliverer who would set them free. And they're cheering for Jesus as the Messiah. You gotta be really clear about that. They're not saying, Yay, prophet. They're not saying, Yay, teacher. They're saying, Yay, Messiah. They are declaring Him as their Messiah. The problem was is that they believed that the Messiah would deliver them from Rome. And, and Jesus is, you know, he's, he's kind of building this, this an, anticipation. That's why they're all joining in with him as he's coming in. Because they know Pilate's coming in from the west. And so this is, a, this is it. This is the moment he's going to deliver us from Rome. But Jesus came to bring a salvation That was much greater than politics. He didn't come to set Israel free from the Romans. He came to set the world free to know God. I think we can also sometimes misunderstand salvation. A lot of times we think salvation is just about being forgiven and going to heaven when we die. But Jesus didn't come just to take away our sins. In Psalm 118 verse 19, one of my favorite verses in that Psalm, it says, open to me the gates of righteousness and I will go through them. Open to me the gates of righteousness and I will go through them. Jesus didn't come just to close the door on judgment. He came to open the gates of righteousness. Jesus doesn't just offer a salvation that, that stops at forgiveness but goes much further. He offers us righteousness right here and now. 2 Corinthians 5:21 says, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. Say righteousness of God. Righteousness of God. Do you want to become the righteousness of God? I do. I I long for that. All right. But so often the devil has us deceived into thinking we've got to be in this this cycle of struggle, failure, forgiveness. You ever been caught in that? Right. Where God, I'm never going to do that again. Then you struggle with the temptation, you fail, and then, oh, I got to go back and get forgiveness, right? And then, okay, I'm not going to do that again. And then you struggle with it, you fail, and go get more forgiveness. And sometimes we're in that cycle and we, and we even tell ourselves, well, that's just the way I am. That's just my issue. No, it's not. No, it's not. That's the devil's issue. That's not your issue. That's not your identity. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus has opened the gates of righteousness. It's time for us to walk through and start living in that gift. He isn't, he isn't just giving forgiveness. It's a much bigger package. Right? It's, it's the, the holy bundle. right? You, you don't have to just settle for forgiveness. You can get righteousness and, and eternal life all bundled together for one special price of faith. Right? Amen? God wants to save us from our fear and bring us into faith. He wants to save us from our struggle and bring us into righteousness. He wants to save us from our emptiness and bring us into a life of fulfillment. That's the Messiah that we have. Let's not misunderstand what Jesus is offering. He's just not off passing out tickets to heaven at the end of the show. He's offering life everlasting right here, right now. So to, to close the service, I'm going to have Pastor Mark come out, and he's going to lead us in a song, Hosanna. Remember, the word Hosanna means save now. Save now. It's a Hebrew word, uh, Save us now. And so we're going to sing it in a moment, and I want you to sing it to God, Save me now, not just save me from my sins, but save me from my selfishness, save me from my, my fear, save me from my worry, save my struggling marriage. Save me now. I don't want to misunderstand the kind of Messiah that you are, Jesus. I want to experience the fullness of your salvation in my life. But before we, we sing, if, if God's touched your heart through the message today, if any part of it has resonated with you, I want to invite you to, to pray with me, to just respond in the privacy of your own heart to the Lord. If you want to put your faith in Jesus for the first time and ask God to, to pass over your sins to forgive you completely to bring you into a new life and a relationship with him and then, then let's all just we're going to bow our, our, our heads close our eyes and I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me in the privacy of your heart say dear God I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me and I confess that I've sinned and I deserve to die. But I'm trusting in his death on the cross for me right now. And I ask that you would forgive me of all my sins, pass over all of that and not judge me. Would you please come into my life and be my savior? Savior. For those of you that may have been misunderstanding what it really means to follow Jesus, maybe you've been like the religious leaders that have joined in with the world. You're going along to get along. And Jesus is convicting you today. The Holy Spirit speaking to your heart that you've been compromising, and it's time to recommit your life to follow Jesus wholeheartedly. Stop being on the fence but to be all in and follow him with all your heart, then I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. Pray, dear God, I'm so sorry for misunderstanding what this was all about. Would you please forgive me? I know better. But I'm trusting afresh in Jesus as my Passover lamb. No guilt, no shame today. But I want to join in the procession following Jesus. So I'm rededicating myself to follow you wholeheartedly. If you prayed either one of those prayers for any reason, while every head is bowed and eyes closed, just slip your hand up so I can see it and pray for you. you. God bless you, 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 God bless you. God bless you, God bless you. Anyone else, just slip it up. I just wanna pray for you, God bless you. This is between you and God, just hold it up high. You're really acknowledging him, not to me. You're acknowledging it to him. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. God bless you. Well, Father, you've seen all these hands and I pray you pour your Holy Spirit out upon them right now. They would sense your presence in a powerful way. Your love would overwhelm them. Blessing would flow from heaven into their life. Lord, I pray for also for those that are just struggling today and they need a promise to hold on to. Pray that you would encourage them in their hearts. Bring scripture to their mind that they could cling to today, knowing that all of your promises are yes, And amen in Jesus so father we love you and we thank you and and we're grateful for your goodness in our life in Jesus name amen hey so what's going to happen is we're going to stand in a moment Mark's going to Pastor Mark's going to lead us in this song Hosanna it's a time for us all to respond to the Lord and, and thank him for his salvation uh to cry out to him for salvation um But the service isn't over at this point, so please don't don't rush out. Pastor Mingo's gonna come back out and close our service for us. Those of you that that raised your hand and responded, in our bulletin, there's a tear-off response card. Uh, I'd love to send you a little note of encouragement, uh, a little note from Pastor Miles this week, just to encourage you with that decision today. Uh, if you wouldn't mind just taking that out, filling out, just giving us your email so we can send you a, a quick note of encouragement. and Check the boxes that apply to you and then you can just drop it in our giving boxes at the end if you prayed to receive Jesus for the first time uh we you can also just text in the word saved uh to our little short code 59769 uh we can get your information that way and we'll send you uh that same encouragement amen were you blessed today by God's word all right let's stand and let's sing this song together
1: I just invite you to just go ahead and open up your hands and sing the words. We know this one. Hosanna. Hosanna. You are the God who saves us. Worthy of all our praises. Hosanna. Hosanna. Come have your way among us. We welcome you here, Lord Jesus. One more time, singing. Hosanna. Hosanna. You are the God. You are the God who saves us. Worthy of all us. Hosanna Hosanna Come have your way Come have your way Among us We welcome you here Lord Jesus Come have your way Come have your way Among us We welcome you here
2: prayer this morning. Lord, have your way in us. More than just for a short window on a Sunday morning, Lord, but throughout our lives, throughout our weeks, in our families, where we work, Lord, would you guide us? And as we transition to this uh, moment for tithes and offerings, inside your bulletin, you've got one of these cards, you've got a great message that reminds you your stake in this entire story. You're created to do something great. God, he desires through you to allow others to experience his goodness. And tithing is no different from any of those moments. We'd encourage you, join us in the ministry. Hope goes so far when all of us join together in generosity. So, If you're in this building, there's a card. You can uh, fill it out. You can drop it off at any one of the exits. There are boxes to the left and to the right side. If you're streaming with us online, you can give online also, sdrock.com slash give. You can also text to give. uh, A bunch of different ways to partner in ministry. Let's celebrate what God's going to do rolling through this Sunday to next Sunday. Amen. Let me pray for you guys and we'll close out. Jesus, I thank you so much for your generosity first. Thank you for being so generous that you would come. You would give your life. You would be the sacrificial lamb. Lord, you would allow us to experience relationship with you despite our brokenness. I pray that you would take our tithes. You would take our offerings, Lord, and that you would expand them, that people would experience you because of the faithfulness and the generosity of the people that are here this morning. We love you for what you've done, Lord. Thank you so much for who you are. Bless this Sunday. In your name I pray. Amen. If you guys want prayer, we're always here at the bottom, all the pastors here. Don't hesitate to get prayed for. We'll see you guys next week.